Good morning. My voice is not really the best this morning, so I ask you to pray for me. It's a special service this morning, not because it's the first Sunday of the month and we are celebrating the communion, but it's a special service because the presence of Jesus is with us, because we call upon his name, because we ask the Holy Spirit to be with us and reveal to us the presence of Jesus. And I pray that as we open the word of God, our hearts also will be open to receive it. Amen. So I entitled this sermon, A Remembrance That Brings Renewal. And the text that we'll be reading is in Luke chapter 22, from verse 14 to verse 20. Luke chapter 22, from verse 14 to 20. The sister already prayed for the word of God, so may the Lord continue to add his blessing to his word. And when the hour came, he reclined at the table, and the apostles with him, and he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the wine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took a bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is put out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Praise God for his word. Let me say that the Lord's Supper is one of the two ordinances of the Christian church. One is baptism, and the Lord's Supper or communion is the second one that Jesus himself gave and left to the church. And concerning the communion or the Lord's Supper or the table of the Lord, as many refers to, there is an universal consensus among Christians about the importance of celebrating Lord's Supper. Sometimes you have churches that celebrate every week. Other times you have a church that celebrate every month, as we do. Other churches celebrate once a year. Now, despite all these differences, this morning I pray that God will give us understanding that celebrating the communion or taking part of the table of the Lord is not simply or merely a ritual. It's something that calls a reflection. It's something that calls our attention. It's something that calls the deeper understanding of what Jesus Christ did for us and why he came on earth, why he became one of us, why he endured until the end, death. What I like in this passage of Luke 22 and I believe that is the only chapter of the Gospels where we find Jesus expressing his desire. He said, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. You see, Jesus didn't die because the Jews or Judas betrayed him. Jesus didn't die because the Romans tried to kill him. Jesus gave his life willingly. 
He knew that he was going to die on the cross. But he still desired earnestly to share the Passover meal with his own disciples. So why among Christianity there is so much difficult sometimes to understand this concept or this ordinance of the Lord's Supper? Let me give you some theological context of communion's doctrine. Ever since the Protestant Reformation in 517, yes, 502 years ago, uh, we had the Reformation, we have different views concerning the celebration of the communion. And shortly, I want to give you some of those views. Now, I don't want to use the theological definition of this concept because are very complicated terms to say. We have the Roman Catholic view, according to which when we celebrate communion, Jesus becomes the bread and the wine. Literally, the wine and the bread becomes the body of Jesus Christ. And what do you do? You sacrifice. You repeat the sacrifice of Jesus. That's why in the Catholic, they call it Mass. We don't celebrate a Mass. A mass is a sacrifice, repeating the sacrifice of Jesus. Now, we don't share that doctrine. Jesus died once for all, and we will read it after. Then we have the Lutherans. They say that there is a, a contemporary manifestation of the bread and wine with the body of Jesus Christ. They still be wine and bread, but at the same time, they are the body of Christ. Then you have John Calvin that says that there is no the transformation of the body of Jesus Christ in the elements of the wine and the bread, but there is the spiritual presence of Jesus Christ. And then you have Zwingli, the great reformer, that says that there is anything special in the wine and the bread is the faith, is the memorials that we put in, in that celebration. Now, this is my personal view, and I encourage you to reflect on that. Despite these differences that we have, I truly believe that when we celebrate communion, even if the bread and the wine doesn't become literally the presence or the body of Jesus Christ, when we connect with what Jesus has done, truly we welcome you know, what Jesus did in our lives. That's why it's not a ritual. It's a, something deeper than a ritual. It's understanding that the elements of the wine and the bread are speaking of what Jesus did for us. And as we do that, we are preaching again the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe that one most powerful way to preach the gospel is through the celebration of the Lord's Supper. Because in a visual way, we have in our mind represented the fact that the body of Jesus Christ was broken for our sins. And the shed of his blood was given for the cleansing of our sins. So the Lord's Supper then is not just a simply an individual observation, but it's a corporate observance. When we come together, it's a feast that celebrates the, the presence of Jesus in our midst with people that have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why when we celebrate and we give out the elements, we say, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, 
don't partake of the elements of the wine and the bread because will not have any meaning for you. Only those who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, only those who believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior and Lord of their lives can partake in a spiritual way, in a deeper way, to the communion table. So if we have not accepted Jesus Christ as a personal Savior, there is no benefit. And let me tell you something even above that. Paul is giving this exhortation in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11, says, But now I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother. Look, who bears the name of a brother. It means those who are Christian called, but they are guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard or swindler, and not even to eat with such a one. You can have also accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, but if your life is not living accordingly, accordingly, the life that Jesus Christ has given to you and the standard that God requires for a Christian, that celebration is simple and empty ritual and not have the spiritual renewal in their lives through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. There is a dissociation. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? I want to use this analogy. When we baptize the people in water, if they truly didn't surrender their lives to Christ, if they truly are not willing to give their hearts to Jesus Christ and accepting the renewal of their soul, they take just a bath. There is nothing special in that tank. There is nothing magical. And the same is with the elements of bread and wine. There is nothing magical in the bread and wine that you will take. So let's go a little bit deeper. What is the purpose of communion? It's not by chance that Jesus instituted the ordinance of communion just at the moment that he was celebrating the Passover. The most act of remembrance of what God had done already for the Israelites. Remember when the Passover was instituted? When the people of Israel were ready to leave Egypt, a place of slavery, to go and start to travel their conquer towards the promised land. So there was a celebration of redemption. And if we read in Exodus chapter 12, verse 13 and 14, we find, the blood shall be a sign for you. Remember, they were supposed to kill a lamb, and then with the blood, sign the doorsteps. And then when the angel will pass it to bring death among the Egyptian, those doors that had the sign with the blood were spared from death. So the blood shall be a sign for you and the houses where you are. And when you the blood, I will pass over you and not plague you will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be for you a memorial day. Look at the concept of a remembrance, a memorial. A memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. As a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast. 
So Jesus was uh, there celebrating the Passover with his own disciples. At that moment, he was remembering the redemption that God gave to the Israelites with the deliverance that he, he offered through the sacrificial lamb. But it's something special that happened in the room. In the upper room where the disciples and Jesus were gathering the last week of his life. Jesus is celebrating the Passover meal. But there is something extraordinary. The lamb, it was not the one, the sacrificial lamb. It was not the one that were eating. Jesus himself was the lamb. The sacrificial lamb. Later on, Paul will write to the Corinthians in chapter 5, verse 7, and he will say, Cleanse out of the old leaven that you may be a new lamb, as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Jesus is our Passover lamb. Now, for many Christians to remember and to have a memorial representation of that sacrifice is an ambiguous mental activity. If I should ask you and take a survey in this room today, what is the memorial that you picture in your mind at the moment that you approach the communion table? What does it mean to remember? But you know, the Bible calls to remember Especially when we tie to a covenant ceremony. There is more than remembering. Michael Horton wrote this book in the Christian faith, a systematic theology of pilgrims on the way, where he, he laid down the understanding of remembrance tied to the Jewish culture where this concept was revealed. And textually, I read this. In our Western or Greek intellectual heritage, remembering means recollecting, recalling to mind something that is no longer present reality. Nothing could be farther from a Jewish conception. For example, in the Jewish liturgy, remembering means participating here and now in a certain defined events in the past and also in the future. So when we are celebrating the communion, even if the bread and wine are not physical presence of the body of Jesus Christ, we should be aware that his presence is in our midst. The Puritan preacher, John Flowell, Distinguish between two types of remembering. Again, I quote his word. A speculative remembrance is only to call to mind the history of such person and his sufferings. That Christ was once put to death in the flesh. An affectionate remembrance is when we so call Christ and his death to our minds as to feel the power the powerful impression thereof upon our hearts. And we should remember affectionately the death, 
the resurrection and the proclamation of Jesus coming back. It means that should be part of our hearts, of our faith. It's not just recollecting on events that was happened 2,000 years ago. No, when we approach the table of the Lord, this gives us spiritual nourishment. It fits our faith. It gives us something that we carry with us. Every time we celebrate the communion, we are remembering that we carry Jesus in our hearts. That if we are saved, it's because Jesus died. And in a visual way, the bread and the wine are recollecting that events in our minds and impressing it in our hearts. Communion is a true proclamation of the gospel, as I was saying before. When the church takes communion, is uh, the most clear way to represent and to transmit the gospel to other people. Why? Because we represent the sacrifice of Jesus that happened 2,000 years ago in a very real way. And when I say that, again, I want to clarify, this is not the re-sacrificing of the body of Jesus Christ. It's not that the element of the wine and the bread becomes literally the body of Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 12 says very clear that Christ could only be sacrificed once. Look what he says. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. So we are not re-sacrificing Jesus Christ every time we celebrate communion. No, the sacrifice was done once forever. What happened is that in communion, we remember. God remembers also and we receive from him. It's a reminder. It's a covenant. Jesus called the second cup the cup of my covenant, the new covenant. It means that there is a, a very specific symbology on that ceremony, on that covenant. A covenant ties two parts together forever. So when we celebrate the communion, not only we are celebrating and remembering what God has done for us, but the celebration of communion also is a remembrance to God of what he chose to do for you and us. And because he remembers the promises that gave us, we are blessed. We are nourished. We are renewed in the, our faith. Then communion is more than remembering. And this is my second point. Communion is more than remembering. The whole meaning of communion is, again, remembering not the wine and the bread, but remembering a person, Jesus Christ. The emphasis is not on the bread and the wine. I know that this can sound a little bit crazy for you, but I come from an Italian background, and we have a lot of culture concerning vineyards and wine. Like the Spanish church, or so the French church, when we celebrate the communion, we truly have wine. You don't get juice. You get the wine. Sometimes we create so much problems concerning juice, wine, unleavened bread, or leavened bread, whatever is the difference. The emphasis is not in the elements. We remember a person. Jesus said, do this 
in remembrance of me. Not a remembrance of the wine, not a remembrance of the bread. Do this in remembrance of me. When we get communion, we should focus more, again, on the person of Jesus Christ. He is the center of the attention. Do this in remembrance of me. And you know, we are called to remember, yes, his body and his blood. But first and foremost, we remember his person. We remember that he left the glory of heaven. We remember that he became one of us. We remember that he suffered. Why? Because he cared for us. Because he loved us. He truly desired to die for us. For me. For you. And when we think what God did for us. We should truly sense a responsibility. A sense of constant love for Jesus. For what he does today for us. Not just 2,000 years ago. The beauty of Christianity is that Christ is alive in our hearts. He's still working us. And that's why when we celebrate communion, we remember the living God, the living presence of God in our lives. And we celebrate with him. And of course, how we can celebrate him? Remembering also that his body was broken for us. Because when you understand what his body went through, you can't help but to worship him. If you read the case for Christ, you know there is a chapter where a doctor described the sufferings of a person that dies on the cross. And when you understand the pain that his body went through and that we were, we were supposed to be on the cross, you start to say, thank you, Lord, for giving your body for me. Thank you for suffering on my behalf. Thank you, oh Lord, because you took on yourself what I deserved. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, 24, and we read this often. Paul says, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night where he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. How many of you saw the passion of Jesus Christ? The movie. I think a majority here in this room saw the passion. The movie as much was uh, putting a lot of emphasis on the bloody aspect. But it was truly real. This what a condemned person to crucifixion was going through. And try to imagine that Jesus' body was broken for us. You see, our problem is that we have either forgotten or we have just become numb to what Jesus endured in a physical way. He is the Messiah, the Emmanuel, God with us. He was there, the Savior of the world. And uh, he did that voluntarily. For you and I today. And when we take the bread, we should remember those sufferings. 
We are called to remember that his blood was shed for us. In 1 Corinthians 11.25 we read, In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, The cup is the new covenant in my blood. To do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. You see, his blood is for us a guarantee that we will escape from judgment. That we are saved. And the Lord's Supper is a continual reminder that we are saved by our sins. That the blood of Jesus is cleansing us from all our sins. And when I say cleansing, it's not putting a patch on top. You see, in the Old Testament, a sacrifice of an animal was putting a patch on top of the sinful action. But with the blood of Jesus, our sins are canceled, are completely removed. God doesn't remember anymore. He has forgotten. Hebrews says that the shedding of the blood was given for our atonement, for our salvation. Hebrews 9.22 says, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood is not remission. So Jesus was supposed to shed his blood for us. He took the blame. He took the burden of our sins. We are brought to a right relationship with God. The blood of Jesus Christ established a relationship that is now correct. Between man and God. Because there is no barrier between the sins that we have and God and his holiness. Praise God for this. So in Matthew chapter 26 verse 28 says, For this is my blood for the covenant which is put out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So when we celebrate the communion, we are reminded that we have been cleansed. That there is no guilt. There is no shame anymore for what we have done in the past. And this truly thrills me. It gives me joy. It gives me reverence. Because I know that my salvation was acquired with a very high price. We say that grace is free. But grace is never cheap. Grace costs high. It costs the blood of Jesus, the Holy One, the perfect Lamb of God without no sin was given for you and I. So in this way, we can be cleansed from our sins. And there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This morning, you and I can come and take part of the communion table, not because we are perfect, but because what Jesus has done for us. This brings to my third point, what communion means technically. Communion is an invitation to enjoy and exalt Jesus Christ. In eating a little piece of cracker and a sip of juice, we redirect our mind and our hearts to that terrific moment where Jesus Christ died. Every Christian becomes a proclaimer of the glories of Jesus Christ of his righteousness, of his purity, of his holiness, the righteous one. Even the thief that was at his right hand, it says, to the other thief that was mocking Jesus, we deserve that. We are criminals. But he is a righteous person. 
And again, even the centurion, the soldier, Roman that was there, he couldn't say nothing else than say, truly this man was the son of God. You see, every time that we approach the communion table, we should worship Jesus Christ and exalt him. It's a moment of worship. It's a moment of attention. It's a moment where our hearts are ready to worship Jesus Christ. And let me tell you something. When we trample the symbols of Jesus Christ with the, uh, the feet of indifference, when we trample the elements of the symbols of the body and, and blood of Jesus Christ with uh, the feet of pride and self-righteousness, it means that we have not taken seriously what Jesus Christ has done for us. And that's why my brothers and sisters, when we share the elements of the bread and wine, should be a moment of reflection. Should be a moment where we focus on Jesus Christ to exalt him. It truly breaks my heart when I see a lot of distraction when we distribute the elements. It truly breaks my heart when I see people taking the communion without reflecting upon what they are doing. We should reflect about the elements, about the person of Jesus. How we can think about that. 1 Corinthians 11.28 says very clear. Let a person examine himself. Then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. This examination is important. We should look inside. Take a real look at our heart. And come in a working manner. And again, let me say something about that. No one is worthy to come. No one of us. If you recognize that there's some sinful action that you have not confessed before God. The solution is not like, okay, I don't take the elements, so I'm okay. No. You are not okay. You should repent in the moment. And find grace. If you reflect and examine that is something in your heart that is not good before God and stops you to approach the table, you should call upon the name of God, repent, confess, and say, Lord Jesus, I'm not worthy, but because of your grace, please forgive me. Please, I'm sorry for what I've done. Forgive me. And then you see the restoration that comes with it. The peace of God that comes in your heart. The assurance that God loves you. The assurance that he cares for you. The assurance that there is something special that God wants to do in your life. Communion is a time of unity for the church. As I said before, the people that have been experiencing the salvation and your birth in Christ. They celebrate communion together. The word communion comes from the Greek word koinonia. And the Latin word communis. That means community, fellowship, joint participation. When we are approaching the table. And I love that. That we take the elements at the same time. It's a beautiful illustration that we come together in the unity. And celebrating what Jesus Christ has done. The Corinthians Christians, they were not truly expressing that 
fellowship, with having intimacy. Paul rebukes them and says these words in 1 Corinthians 11 and 17. But in the following instruction, I do not command you. Because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. This church was divided. This church was gathering together just to have food. And let me tell you, brothers and sisters, if there is sin of disunity, if we have in our hearts things that are not cooperating with the unity of the body of Christ, we should repent. We should remembering that communion is for the unity of the body of Christ. We are one in Christ. I love what Paul says to the Galatians, that in Christ there is no man or women, there is no Greek, there is no Gentile, there is no Jewish, there is Roman, whatever you want to put in that name. And when I look at the sanctuary here, we have black people, we have white people, we are different cultures, different backgrounds. But every time we approach the table, we should remember that we are one in Christ. That is the unity, is the glue that put all us together in one mind, in one spirit. And we should celebrate in the unity of the spirit because Jesus brought together our lives. We didn't choose to be born in our family. I didn't choose to be born in my family. I didn't choose who were my brothers or my sister. I was brought in my family. And when you are in the family of God, God is the one that chooses you to be part of his family. And that's why it's so important that we celebrate together in the unity. And community also is not just working for the unity, but also is the proclamation is a time of urgency. Urgency. Which urgency? The fact that Jesus is coming back. And this should spur of some urgency to get our hearts ready for his coming back. Look around what is happening in our world. I never saw in my own life a moment where nations are so divided. Look at what happened in the United States. Half and half, they battle each other. Look at what is going on in Venezuela right now. Two presidents at the same time. It's a very difficult situation. And I prayed for the country. We have families that are coming from Venezuela. Look what happened in Brazil with the election of Bolsonaro. Look what happened in the United Kingdom with the Brexit. The country is divided. In my own country, Italy, we have a government that is divided. Two parties are governing together, but seems they have two different vision of what government should be. That's normal for Italy, but it's okay. <laughs> Look what is going on in Africa, in other parts of the world. These are signs that Jesus is coming back. There is a preparation for the coming of the Antichrist. He will be received as the savior of the world because it will bring people together. But we know who is the Christ and we know who is the Antichrist. So when we take the communion, we should feel the sense of urgency to get ready for his coming. And believe me, my brothers and sisters, the Bible is clear. We, either we are going to die or we will be part of the rapture. But one thing is sure, Jesus is coming back. And according to the word of God, 
Every time that you partake at the communion, you should think that the Lord could come now. Now. And if he comes now, are we ready to meet him? That's the question. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, from verse 15 to 18, we read, For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the death in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Encourage one another. I know that the times are difficult. But we are not discouraged. We have a hope. We have an anchor that holds on the difficulties that we are facing today. And that's why it's a time, my brothers and sisters, that we can approach the throne of God through the communion table. Amen.